0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From the Lighthouse. I'm Stephanie, and I'm here today with our producer, Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, Steph. And I've dragged him into the studio (laughs) because we are talking about a subject that is very near and dear to his heart this week, (laughs) and that subject is serial killers.
1: Oh, that just makes me sound so grim and gruesome. but Yes, it's true. I <laughs> There's do nothing
0: love... that Jimmy loves more than a good killer. I do. Killer. I
1: love a good killer story.
0: So we're talking about um, a new true crime book that came out a few months ago called "I'll Be Gone in the Dark." By it was, um, it's mostly written by Michelle McNamara, and I should explain that um, Michelle McNamara um, was a true crime writer who actually passed away while she was writing this, so that there is sections of this book. That are compiled of her notes. Um, there's also a um, like a, a conclusion to the book mm. that's compiled by two investigators that um, she worked with on this case, and this is a book about her search for the Golden State Killer. And if you've been following the news recently, you will know that about two three weeks ago, the Golden State Killer, after 40 years, was arrested.
1: Yes, finally.
0: Finally arrested which I find unbelievable. I remember seeing it on Twitter and just mm. almost like being shocked to tears.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, w- I was blown over. I was watching YouTube as I, you know, that's another one of my s- secret shame or passion. Seawill so Killers on YouTube. Seawill Killers on I know. It's a, it's, a, it's, a t- it's a terrible picture of me, yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, and it came up on my YouTube feed and I thought, is this a hoax? Is It, yeah. like, it, it can't be true. And when I clicked on it, it was an actual uh, proper um, yeah, news uh, on, on it. And I thought, wow, I, I cannot believe it. But even now, it's still sort of um, a little bit murky about how they've gone about um, capturing you know, the killer and all the different details about it. So yeah. I think it's going to be quite um, exciting, sort of the wrong word, but uh, it's going to be an interesting few months uh, as as more and more evidence starts to come out about this this guy and we find out more about uh, what happened. And it's also going to give a lot of uh, victims finally some some peace and yeah. Answers to to questions that uh, that that's been haunting them for forty years.
0: Yeah, it's the kind of case you can't quite believe has been solved. I mean, and we'll talk about this. As, I think when we talk about the book, but there are uh, there's lots of evidence in this particular case mm. that you you would think that would point to a killer. But even still, I mean, it's like if the Zodiac killer got caught tomorrow, that would be massive. You know? Yeah,
1: I mean that that'll be an absolute shocker. But I think I think probably the the um, the ship has sailed on, on that one. I think a lot of people yeah. think he's, he's pretty much dead by now. But, yeah, and but I the think, answers would still be amazing. To, yeah, to, to and,
0: I, and I don't think... I was listening to somebody talk about this on, on a podcast and there's not great evidence in that case. No. I mean, the, yeah. the,
1: I don't think they have the the Zodiac's DNA to, yeah. to actually do that type of, of work, whereas... Uh, the Golden State Killer, they did have um, his DNA to, to work with. So and uh, that's another interesting element
0: amazing. of the story, isn't it, that they found out mm. who the murderer was through running his DNA through a g- genealogy website. Yeah. So my family have, um, various members of my family and myself, have, have, have put our DNA in through <laughs> genealogical websites. So I guess my career so as a serial it. killer <laughs> is over. I cannot <laughs> risk killing anybody because I will get caught like that. You will. Yeah.
1: Uh, but it's a very interesting um uh, way to, to capture a serial killer. And in a way, I think it turn, it represents a turning point uh, in our mm. history at the moment. This is going to be a very revolutionary uh, mm. way and we could actually end up solving quite a lot of crimes um, of the past, especially if we have preserved DNA evidence of, um, mm. of, of the criminal.
0: I hope it exonerates people too.
1: Yes. Uh, I think that's one of the other things that they, they're mm. pushing for. Um, one of them mentioned was that um, a lot of freedom Project has came out as a result of, mm. of DNA testing to exonerate people who mm. have been falsely uh, imprisoned as a result. So I think it's a really really positive development, and uh, mm. I'm really looking forward to to seeing how it's going to yeah going to develop. So yeah, I
0: think you're right. This is a sort of ongoing story. Mm. All right, so let's talk about the book. Mm. So I I gave you this book to read, bullied because um, I recommended bullied. bullied. Yeah, bullied. in fact, I even <laughs> the email I believe was yes. called shameless bullying. Yes, um,
1: she gave me two days exactly to read it. two that. days to
0: read it. Um, <laughs> yes, and I. Yeah, it forced you to do it. But what I loved did you it. think? I yeah. absolutely
1: loved Yay. it. I, th- I thought it was a really, really interesting. Um, I mean, I haven't read too much in terms of um, true crime stories, but this was a, a really uh, different take on the cru- uh, true crime genre. Mm-hmm. In that, I think it's sort of at least partly memoir mm. and, and partly true crime. You know, there's a lot you actually learn about Michelle McNamara as a person. Uh, and for me, as fascinated as I am by serial killers, what I found really surprised me about the story was how much more fascinated I am by her psychology. Yeah. But what I actually learned about her and her own motivation, mm. which eerily enough reflect a lot of my own <laughs> motivation. Yeah. So it was almost like part of it was sort of my story too. I think it, uh, people who ask why you're so fascinated with serial killers, I would say, look, just read this book.
0: Yeah, no it is. It I I agree. And so she talks about how as a child hmm. there was a a murder that happened in her neighborhood. Yes. Quite close to her and that she became really interested in, Mm. and that sort of started this, like, lifelong interest in crime. Yeah, and it's a a cold
1: case Mm. even to this day. It's a a very brutal murder. I think she was 14 when when it happened. uh, And and there's that
0: tantalising clue that that dude who turned up and said, you know, what's happened here was the murderer. Yeah, Yeah. so
1: there's this strange link. um, Of course, you know, a lot of it is just conjecture. We we, we don't know whether that's the case, but at least we're getting these sort of um, unusual connections Mm. in the stories, and I think that's one of the things that... uh, she found fascinating about looking at cold cases is, is to find these strange connections. Mm. Uh, and it's also one of the things I, I love about um, looking at serial killers, it's the almost unusual connection between cases and things and you know, people mm. that uh, it's al- it's almost like a puzzle in, in itself and, and yeah. I'm a big puzzle person.
0: I love those, those sections in which she talks about like the overwhelming um, obsession that she has with this case <laughs> that yes. like, I mean, I'm not a particularly, like, detail. Like, There's a point at which the detail becomes too much for me, so I could mm. never do what she does. But I do um, I do relate to that kind of idea of being so obsessed with some particular subject. Mm. And, and she talks about, you know, being out, because her husband is the comedian, Patton Oswalt, mm. um, or, or was, um, her husband was uh, the comedian, and she talks about going to, like, Hollywood events and, mm. you know, getting on her phone and having conversations at these events or, you know, About the murders that she's investigating, or you know, staying up all night, chasing down leads. And you really get, like, as you said, a really good sense of her like absolute drive to find this out. Mm. And to find it out on its own terms, Like she's yeah. remarkably egoless about it. She's yes. like, it's not about me. It's not about, like mm. I want to be the one with the glory. I just no. want him to be caught.
1: Yeah, yeah. She she doesn't want to be the one. Like, she would be perfectly happy if somebody else yeah. figures it out. But, but she just wants answers. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of uh, people's fascination with serial killers, especially cold cases, is actually that lack of an answer. Mm. It's almost like reading a book and not getting to the end. Yeah. And you're just, you just know, you're frustrated because you just want to know that ending. And yeah, you it's like just having like, a Who
0: Done It with no murderer. Exactly, yeah. you
1: know, and that's the really frustrating part. Um, I could, <laughs> unlike you, uh, relate to the obsessive side that she was talking about. So you know, when she uh, was interviewing that um, guy who she dubbed the kid, and she said that uh, he is one of those who would have a database of you know, all the different uh, possible suspects and every single information about them, mm. and it would trawl through all the lists and all that. I thought, oh, dear God, that's some of the things I've done. Oh, dear. <laughs> I know. So I could really relate to, mm. to some of those particular ideas. Um, but there was another idea in there that I thought was really funny. Uh, I'm not as obsessive as that, thank God. But there was a line there that I thought really encapsulated her obsessiveness, where she said, um, every obsession needs its own room. Yes, and I just thought, oh wow! Like I I know people who are like. Do you have a
0: murder room, Jimmy? No, thank God. No,
1: no. But my housemate uh, does want a room for every single one of his obsessions. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, when I read, how many does he have? (laughs) Quite a lot, surprisingly. Every time you have a new obsession, he's kind of like, you know, yeah, I need a room to uh, to put all the stuff in there for for that. I thought, there's not enough room. No, there's not
0: enough rooms in anyone's house. Yeah, yeah. in anyone's
1: house uh, for that. But um, that is sort of the nature of of obsession. I think that. uh, it, it starts to take over your life. And I think that's one of the things she acknowledges as well, that mm. it's impact on her own life uh, and sometimes on relationships that she's, she's had as well. And for yeah. me, some of that's some of the more poignant mm. aspect of the, of the story.
0: Well, I do read a little bit of... I've always been a bit of a true crime buff. Mm. Um, and so I do read quite... Not a lot, but I have been known to read quite a few um, true crime no, uh, books. And... This is so much better written than most of them. Oh, okay. I have to say, it, the writing for me was really great. Mm. I found it really compelling. I did like the um, the use of memoir as well, and I think she does a really good job of tying that like childhood incident mm. to her belief in in the the criminal justice system and yes. her drive to get justice and her drive to to get answers for the family. Mm. And I think that what was different for me about this book is that a lot of true crime you know, naturally enough, is about trying to find the murderer mm. and thinking about the murderer or, like, in cases where you have got a murderer arrested and in jail, you know, trying to figure out the psychology of the murderer. This book is a lot about the victims, it which is. I found quite refreshing.
1: Yes. Uh, and it also um, presents... Uh, for me, the, the other really fascinating part is uh, she also presents her own psychology in a way to relate to uh, the victims as well. But there's some... <coughs> Uh, I would love to, you know, I didn't have a chance to really sit down and, and and do a sort of structural comparison, but one of the things that I noticed, even just in terms of patterns there, there was a, a story she told initially about her own um, experience with her mother. Mm. Uh, where she uh, she told a very sad story of of um of her wedding and how she got really angry with her mother and it took mm. a while to mend that relationship, and it only took um it, it took her mother sending her a letter um to explain um that she really realised and it took the birth of her child to understand that sort of a, uh, protective motherly instinct that she never understood about her own mother, mm. and then almost as if to compare or contrast that she had that other story that really really terrible tragic story. But the um, the teenage girl who the last thing she said to her mother was, you know, just get out of my life uh, before she was murdered. And, you Mm. know, it was almost like she she was saying that, you know, this is one of those things that you can actually relate to. Mm. And what murders do, um, not only in terms of traumatizing um, the survivors, uh, but it also puts significance on things that really shouldn't have significance to begin with. That would have just been a normal fight on Mm. any other day. But because it was the last thing she said to her mum, that haunted her Mm. for almost the rest of her life. And I think um, the book mentioned it took her, what was it, five or ten years to really recover Mm. just from that one sentence she said to her mum. Yeah,
0: I think you're right. And I think that really, like, heightens our sense of the destruction that he has caused Mm. because, um, you know... In the normal course of events, like teenagers have problems with their parents, mm-hmm. right? We all know that, mm. and we all get over them eventually, yes. and that should have happened. Yes, and it happened with Michelle and her mother, yes. but it never had the chance because he came in and, and destroyed any any possibility of that, for his own selfish for, yeah, for whatever reasons, whatever that, reasons he well, reasons in, in inverted commas because there's really no reason. But yeah. Um, yeah, she she really does. I think this book has a lot of compassion and. Mm. Um, care in writing the victim stories as well, and I mean it's really frightening. I found this book really (laughs) genuinely frightening. Did you?
1: I found it, yeah, yeah, um, uh, I did get a little (coughs) bit paranoid in the process of reading this book. It might have something to do with the fact that I was forced to read it uh, Mm -hmm. over two days, and so I was reading it up to the wee hours of the morning. Yeah. Uh, And so when I did take my dog out for a a walk at midnight, I I did take some furtive glances around, and Mm. my imagination was a little bit overly active, especially with some of the descriptions of how he got into the house or Mm. just the normality of the the people that he attacked. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that often gets missed, that it, it... these people didn't really do anything. Not mm. that anybody ever deserved to be treated in that particular way, but they were just common. They were just basically everyone you know, mm. going about their daily lives, and then suddenly this happens to them.
0: And there's such a sense of violation, isn't there? It like is. That they, they, he turned up. So for those of you who haven't um, listening, who haven't heard about this case, so the, the his pattern was he would turn up in people's houses, and he would he, um, in some cases, would ring them beforehand and hang mm. up. Um, Probably to get a sense of their patterns when they were home and when they were Yeah, weren't. I
1: think he stalks them for a few He's, weeks, uh, up to a month or something yeah. like that, before he actually attacks.
0: Yeah, and sometimes he would break into the house. Mm. In most cases, he would break into the house beforehand to get a sense of the, the layout mm. of the house. And, you and know, move where things was, around. Move things around and mm. where was the easiest entrance and so forth. So there is something really disturbing about, A, mm. him being in the house before... He came back and actually attacked the people. And B, that idea of like waking up in the middle of the night when you're the most defenceless, when you're mm. in your home, when you're supposed to be the safest of any possible place, and there's a strange man, mm. sometimes naked, yes, in your bedroom, shining a light in your face.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly makes that... Um... It certainly questions the, the safety of the home, which mm. really should be the safest place. I mean, for most of us, home is a, a place yeah. of safety, and it turns home <coughs> into a place of danger, mm. uh, into a place that uh, you're afraid to, to be in. Uh, and I, I did get a very strong sense of that. Mm. And I, th- I think I actually felt a sense of that when I was reading the book, too. Mm. Um, after finishing finished reading the book, you know, I'm sort of uh, trying to get to sleep and think, that's a really horrific image.
0: <laughs> I know. And it seems so easy for him. Like... Mm. Because he did this sort of, like, work, I suppose, scoping out the houses, he always seemed to, like, manage it really easily. Like, it, even when people knew that there was a man around raping people and they, that he was a danger in this area, he still seemed to have this ability to just get into people's homes and escape, and he knew obviously knew the areas very well because... Mm. Um, you know, he was able to sort of hop around people's backyards and he knew, like, the easiest way to, like, disappear into the bushes and so forth. Well,
1: one of the problems that um, I was sort of confronted with when I was reading this case is a part of me was thinking, was he just really lucky?
0: Mm.
1: Like, every step along the way, was he just lucky? I mean, there were so many instances where he was almost caught. Yeah. uh, And yet he wasn't. Mm. Um, So was that just pure luck? Or was he just really clever in terms of how he went about you know, doing what it, whatever he, he needed to do to, to escape mm. each step along the way. But um, I just can't help but um, get a sense that there was something strange happening that, mm. you know, um, that just sort of facilitated or allowed him to mm. um, get away with this. Because it was quite a long spree he had. I mean, what did they say? Something like, from 72 or 74 mm. all the way up to 86, I think, was the last one.
0: And so he's, he, he's known to have committed something like 55 rapes and 12 murders.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And then there was the ransack, which and is, is now
1: being uh, yeah. officially tied to, to this case. So, he, so the first um, one was the, the Vesalia ransacker, mm-hmm. and he ransacked more than 80 houses in Vesalia, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he apparently now has confessed to that part. Of Mm. the crime, so that's now clearly acknowledged as as being. So he ransacked 80 homes and then he raped 50 women, was the next part of his devolution. Uh, And then he killed about 10 or 12 people, which is just Mm. uh, like it's. uh, And this happened over, I think, about uh, over 10 years Mm. period. So it's quite a long time for um, a place to be terrorized Mm. by one particular person.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and there's all sorts of like missed opportunities because um, they didn't necessarily know that all of these these crimes hmm. were committed by the same people. So that's why he has um, a few names that he's known by. Yeah. So he's known as the East Area Rapist, um, the Vesalia Ransacker, and um, the, the original, original, original Night Stalker. Mm. And the only reason that they knew they were able to figure out a few years ago that they were the at least the original Night Stalker and the Easter rapist was the same person was because they did a they found a DNA match. Um whereas at the time they thought it was two different people. But it's just I don't know, it's staggering as you say that there are so many close calls and times when the police have shown up and here to to hoof it on foot and Mm. um or, you know, someone would shoot at him and or he would shoot at somebody else and there's, a, there's
1: that strange story where a neighbor saw him and he he got out with no pants on. Yeah. Got on his bike and just rode off. And rode off without any pants without on any and pants. nobody yeah. sort of noticing. Yeah. She, uh, she's I think she described it as shorts. She thought he was wearing shorts because of, yeah. the, of his tan line or something like that.
0: And I, and I mean that led to the conclusion that he must have been very local that he yes. he only had a very short commute. But when he was arrested recently um he was a cop.
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah. So maybe that
0: is the missing bit here, is that he actually was able to get away because he knew where the police were.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I looked up a, a tweet. So one of the um, uh, editors of, of this book is the the kid that, that was mentioned earlier. Yeah. it's a, Sorry, Chef mentioned that we spoil this. But one of the revelation at the end is that um, one of the editors is actually the kid that, that, that's interviewed, or he's nicknamed the kid. Yeah. Uh, I looked at some of his tweets, and one of the tweets that he, he did was... Um, he mentioned something in the book uh, where they talked about, uh, a woman mentioned a strange odour mm. that they couldn't quite identify. Like, she couldn't quite identify. She said it's not body odour. Uh, she didn't find it pleasant, but she can't. she's never smelled anything like it. And mm. she described it almost as, what was it, like fear or anxiety. Like, it's almost like he, he was oozing out, you know, some sort of odour because of his anxiety. Uh, and so he pointed to that passage, and then he pointed to uh, the fact that this ex-cop was fired because he was stealing um, dog uh, repellent, Repelled, yeah. uh, and so he so, said, you know, is that what the strange smell that this mm. woman had, had, you know, smell, was it dog repellent? Because most of us, I don't even know what dog repellent smells I never like.
0: even knew what dog, I never even knew dog repellent was a thing.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know either, so, yeah. uh, but that's one of the things that they mentioned they'll look into too as well, so some of the details that they may have missed, you know, were these odours that people talk about, was it, mm. dog, you know, was that why dogs never attacked him? Yeah. Because that's one of the things that I just kept thinking, what on earth are all these dogs doing? You yeah, because
0: he's he's hop, like he's hopping through people's gardens. Yeah, yeah. And, and
1: none of the dogs ever seem to attack him. So one of yeah. the things they, they thought could be happening was that uh, he was bringing treats along to bribe the dogs so the dogs were familiar with him or something to that effect. But, you know, what if it was just simply a case of dog repellent?
0: Yeah, exactly. And another thing that was interesting that, that came out when he was um, arrested is that um at some points, people would say that he cried and talked about his, his mummy. Yeah. And then uh, one of the victims said, I don't think he was saying mummy. I think he was saying Bonnie. Mm. And the, the man who was arrested recently um, was engaged to a woman called Bonnie. Yeah. And obviously, like, something happened um, mm. and he never married her. And so it's funny how all of the pieces, these, all of these disparate pieces across all of these multiple crimes in various suburbs across various years, all of them have just slotted into place. Yeah. But then you think there were so many clues. How did they not find them for so long?
1: Well, even things like um, in the book, it mentions that, um, you know, so many neighbors Saw or had experience of something like a break in or strangers mm. in their backyard, and nobody reported it mm. until it was asked directly of them to say, mm. Did you notice anything suspicious? And it's like, Actually, now that you mention it, you know, two weeks ago, I did notice my door was unlocked, uh, yeah. even though I was pretty sure I locked it or.
0: Report burglaries, people. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and it was like, it just made me wonder, you know, did the stars, unfortunately, in this case, aligned for him? Yeah so that you know he kept eluding because of uh simple things like people just not reporting uh things that were strange or suspicious even though it was asked of them to to do so
0: Yeah and I mean i suppose like this is also a result of the fact that we now have dna technology mm. of the of the kind that allowed him to be caught but they didn't necessarily in the 70s and mm. then they talk about like you know, some of the rape victims took showers and so forth. Yes. And that yeah. was unfortunate because it meant that rape kits couldn't be conducted, conducted and so yeah. forth. Um, and people don't, didn't necessarily know that in the 70s. No. Um, so there is a combination of, like, they weren't working mm. with the complete um, set of, of information about yeah. DNA in the way that we are now. Mm. But I mean, you're even, right. even
1: simple things like the the um, non-secretor status, yeah. you know, they didn't know that uh, back then that, pe- uh, that there was a small subgroup who could be both secretors and non-secreters, yeah. so that so they could have uh, potentially eliminated uh, yeah. suspects that uh, might have led them to to this particular guy.
0: One of the stories that makes me kind of shiver is um, that story about the town meeting that they had. Mm. So they had a town meeting um, in one of I can't even remember which particular county if it was in Contra Costa or, or Sacramento it might have been Sacramento. They had this town meeting where um, they were discussing this rapist who was going around and preying on um, women. And one man said, well, you know, he couldn't possibly do this um, if there's a couple. So Mm. I think who's actually at risk here is these single um, women and single mothers. If there's a couple, the man could fight him off. And then he targeted that person. Yeah. And I was like, my God, he was at that meeting. Mm. And now that makes sense because he's a police officer.
1: Yeah. He
0: could have been at that meeting could, as a freaking policeman. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think
1: one of the other things this book does really, really well uh, is to give you a, a good sense of the psychology of this guy. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, uh, she obviously didn't know who he was, but through reading up about him through her um, investigation and research, she's uh, able to portray a depiction of a petty criminal who slowly but methodically devolved mm. into you know quite a serious criminal, So that by the end, I think the la- the last victim, it eerily for some reason uh, made me think about you know Jack the Ripper and the way he devolved mm. in that particular manner. too. of course he started off much more uh, violent than the Golden State. But you further. don't know
0: what like you yeah, know he, he, it's possible that that he could have just mm. been a pickpocket or something. Yeah, if it got worse. You yeah, know. but just
1: the way he, he yeah he devolves from ransacking to raping to murder. You know, yeah, it's just and it's. I think what she does really well and really clearly is to almost identify those those stages or those periods where he starts to break down and move on to more serious crimes. Mm. Uh, it's almost like he, he needed that next push along the way. So I think mm. uh, the uh, the killing of um, who was it was the doctor when he was a ransacker as mm. was earlier. Um, oh, the
0: one who caught him and yeah. was defending his daughter. Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, that in a way then prompted the next phase of his life where he started become, uh, becoming the East Area Rapist yeah, um, and started to rape uh, all these women. Uh, and then that devolved when, in this particular incident, people were saying, well, you know, he's a bit of a coward. Mm. If men were around, then yeah, you know, he then wouldn't he do would... that. And so it's almost like he was saying, well, okay, you challenge me on that, mm. I'm going to do that. And then so he started to attack couples. Mm. Uh, so it's uh, eerily enough, it's, it's almost as if the society were driving him mm. towards each, you know, stages of his uh, uh, devolution,
0: and the media too, because he often yes. talks about like the media and like what, what's going to be in the papers and mm. don't tell the papers this or tell the papers this. Yeah,
1: he was very clear about not wanting to be mm. you
0: know,
1: in uh, in the papers or wants to be reported on, mm. um, which, which is quite interesting. But but then then raises another question, which even to this day I'm still not quite sure about. Um, and I want to ask to see what you think about it. The sobbing.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you think that was. Real? Do you think that was genuine or was that something like a ruse that he, like a character he's putting on to throw people off? Like, I was never quite sure about that.
0: I wasn't sure either. Apparently, like, this might be just the internet, mm. but I was reading up about this on, on the Reddit board <laughs> that is, um, about this case. And I, I, this was like the day I think he got caught or the day after. Apparently, when he was, um, arrested, mm. he said something like, but I've controlled him. I'm a good person, yeah. which makes me think now that might not be true, mm. but it was reported by a Sacramento newspaper that he said that. So okay. the, the fact that it was it was local makes mm. me think maybe it is true. Um, if he says that, maybe he does feel like he's some, got some kind of split personality issue. Mm. When I was reading this book though, I kind of got the sense that he was putting it on. Mm. Um, he was so, and that's because he was so methodical. He, he was yeah. so, and like, and as you say, like, it does a really good job of like looking at the escalating violence that happens, you know, from ransacking somebody's house, which is still bad, but yes. not, you know, as bad as murdering he does, somebody. He
1: raping somebody. Yeah. That stuff, yeah,
0: exactly. So like that kind of escalation of violence, um, it was so methodical and so patterned. And like even the way he identified his victims and then would find out more information about them, ring them find out their patterns, when they're likely to be home, when they're not, um, go into their house, look at their things. And even, mm-hmm. you know, he talks about, like, looking at photos of them on their walls and yeah, stuff. Yeah, finding
1: out their name, finding out the, name, finding Funny out the, of the details names. about them. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I'm like, well, if he if he is having some kind of psychosis or multiple personality disorder or something, then I'm surprised at the level of... I would be surprised at the level of detailed planning that mm. he was able to carry out, which suggests that, like, He's thinking about this; that he's planning it in a kind of logical, sequential way.
1: Mm. See, I, I, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of um, split personality or multiple personality to mm. that degree,
0: but like guilt. Yeah, like almost
1: yeah. guilt, or um, uh, I, I hate to use the word remorse because you know I think he's a remorseless mm. type of criminal. Uh, but it, it's it's almost like. Um, I, I've been reading a lot of Freud lately, so I'm just going to have to use a Freudian <laughs> analogy here. But it's almost as if it's that id that's, yeah. that's the killer, mm. and then um, he's the, the one that's crying after the mm. id has fulfilled wh- whatever it is that, that he needs. So it's almost like he has impulse um, control issues. Yeah. And um, I, maybe because of the way the, the book was written, or maybe because of the way I, um, my mentality was at the time, but I almost got the sense that. Um, that there was something authentic about the crying only because only one uh, victim said she didn't believe the crying was, was mm. real. All the other victims I said, yeah, it sounded like he was actually sobbing mm. for real. Um,
0: well, maybe that's true. And I mean, like, I don't... I, I think, like, look, there's probably decades of work on his mm. psychology that you could you could do. Um, I don't know. I just felt that I find it hard to understand a, a, a person... Having remorse given that he obviously worked for weeks to set up his crimes, and even yeah, you know, very
1: premeditated, it's yes.
0: very premeditated. And even the fact that he, um, which I find probably the most chilling detail in this whole book, the most like really scary thing is that you know, 20 years after, in some cases, 30 years mm. after, he would ring the victim,
1: yes, yeah, that that was the um. That was the most disturbing part, I think. Um, yeah. So that was when it was when the connection was made between uh, the East Area Rapers and um, the original Night Stalker. I think on the eve of that, and uh, on the day it was announced, he rang up his first victim or one of the first victims, and then said something to the effect of, "You know, remember that night? Yeah. We we played or whatever it was. Yeah. Which was quite sick. Um,
0: and I know. That's just like like out of a horror movie.
1: Yeah. I mean. It, yeah. It's, it's it's cruelty on a completely. Mm. different level i think uh, and that's the part that i found really really hard to reconcile because like yeah i was trying to piece together this criminal the psychology of this criminal and for me the fascinating thing about the book is that you know she took such a almost objective perspective of that and she mm. tries to present multiple perspectives um of mm. the cases um and she's always uh Got a, f- a focus on on the victim, and so she's mm. always, you know, she's, she's very much a, a believer in, in the victim's statement. So uh, she takes what the victims say very, very seriously. So I think that's what coloured my view of the fact that, you know, when he was sobbing, it, w- it was real. Because if the victims who had to endure these brutal things mm. felt that he actually did sob for real, mm. I mean, if yeah. I was in that case, I mean, if I was in that case, I would think the worst of this particular person. So I would think he's remorseless and wouldn't ever cry. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's uh, a good point.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so when I put myself in that situation, I thought, oh, what, what is going on? And it's yeah. almost like, you know, it's, he's such a complex mm. villain in a way.
0: And the, and the the great unanswered question in all of this mm. is why did he stop? Now, yeah. good that he stopped yes. because, you know, more people didn't. I mean, 12 is, is, is a lot mm. of murders. Um, But he did seem to stop in 1986. Mm. Why did he stop? What drove him to have this 10-, 12-, 14-year crime spree where he was very active, mm. a lot of crimes over, like some of them are a week apart, some yes. of them a couple of days apart, um, and then just stop. Mm. That strikes me as there's something going on there. Something has made him stop.
1: Well, I think what the book, I mean, this was my reading of the what the book proposed was that um, the last... The second last one that he committed that one almost ended with him uh, getting uh, hurt or possibly even you know being captured mm. because the uh I've forgotten his name now the, the guy in that case fought back and fought mm. back quite seriously uh and so there was evidence to suggest that he he almost lost that fight yeah. and that scared him into stopping. But the final victim was an impulsive one. He saw a situation and just couldn't control himself mm. and then just went for that one. So I think that's so one... maybe he got scared yeah, off. Yeah, so that, that was one theory. Um, I'm not quite mm. sure. For me, it quite works as a theory because I almost feel as if he has impulse control issues. Mm. You would almost always have some of those impulse control. Um, but then that ties really nicely with what we were saying earlier from the Reddit article mm. about um, him saying he's controlled that...
0: That, that, that part guy, of, that him, part of yeah. him now,
1: uh, but the other part, which uh, uh, I've been listening to the, you know, as we, we've spoken to, um, before the, the podcast, um, I've been listening to Case Files, another fantastic podcast on serial killers. <laughs> Again, another one of my obsessions uh, about the East Area Rapists, and one of the ideas uh, the anonymous host, because we don't know who he is, uh, proposes that um, at the time of his final killing. That was when his child was born. Like I think Mm. the the last killing he did, I think a week after that, was the birth of of his child. And this guy wondered whether that might have something to do with it.
0: Yeah, but wasn't his first child born in 81 and then his second child born Mm. in 86 and he stopped in 86?
1: Yeah, he stopped in 86, 86, but 81 was the second last one.
0: Yeah, so and that's funny because those are the two last, 81 and
1: 86 are the two last. Yeah, so the, the 86 one is the one that is really, really unaccountable. Mm. It's, it's the one that's hardest to piece all the puzzles together because I think most people tend to agree that one was uh, a um, an impulse one. Mm. I don't think he planned that one as well as he planned like all his previous ones. It's almost like he saw it and that side of him came out. And, and he just, had
0: stopped for quite a while. He had stopped for, for quite years, a while for yeah. five
1: years and suddenly he did that and then he stopped for good. For or, good. But... You know one of the other things they said is that that's what we know so far,
0: yeah, maybe he there didn't could be a solve. lot of you know mm.
1: unsolved cases they just haven't linked to him, maybe he changed the way he approached something, or maybe some crimes haven't been reported or
0: and and he does like there's a you know not being california people mm. um it's useful that there's a map in here because yeah. it does really span the whole state
1: it does and uh, and I think um yeah this I kind of got from case file more than this particular book, but just the number of um, places that he hit mm. alone is absolutely staggering. I think what Michelle McNamara d- did particularly well in this particular uh, story is that she gives you an overview mm. of what ha- what has happened, but if you look at the detail, it's just it's it's almost spread out throughout the entire. Uh, mm state of an entire area and so
0: so given that the the fact that he does work over like a long a big geographic area maybe Mm. it's just a case of like he moved on yeah somewhere else he may move to a
1: different place uh or started Mm. attacking a different place and people just never made that Mm. connection so i think um the next few months or the next year in particular we'll see a lot more uh,
0: Mm. information
1: about what what has happened
0: i feel so badly for his family because Mm. i mean can you imagine i'm I don't know whether they're cooperating with the investigation, oh, well, but like...
1: Apparently they are. Um, yeah. That, that was one of the questions aimed at the police, and the police did say uh, a few of mm. his members have been approached, and they've been very, very cooperative. On, yeah, but on can that. you
0: imagine what a shock?
1: That would be... I mean, that would be an absolute nightmare to, yeah. to find that out about, oh, God, if it was your father or, you know.
0: Well, I was listening to a really good episode of... Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this podcast. which I think is now over, huh. called Strangers, and... Oh, um, yeah. It's one particular episode. I can't remember what it's called, but it's late in their run. Um, And it was about this woman who, um, when she was a teenager, her parents asked her, they woke her up one night and they're like, oh, my God, Grandma had a turn in the night and she's fallen, hit her head and died. Um, Can you help us, like, with her cleaning up? Oh. And they called the ambulance and whatever, but she was, like, cleaning up the body because they said they were too upset, too. Mm. Um, And then, you know, she was uh, very upset and... Blah, blah, blah. Um, And she was 88, so you can imagine, like, you Mm. know, having a turn at 88 and hitting your head is not out of the realm of possibility. Um, About 10 years later, her father got drunk at a family function and confessed to actually murdering her. Um, And then she was like, well, what do I do with this? Mm. Talk to her sister. And in the end, she turned him in, Mm. um, which, of course, ruined her relationship with him. But because they had no evidence...
1: Mm. Because anyway, she cleaned up all the evidence. She
0: cleaned up all the evidence, which she didn't know. Unwittingly, yes. Yeah. And like, you know, it was just, well, he got drunk one day and said this, and Mm. then I'm repeating it. So it's just hearsay. Um, they Nothing could happen. And I was like, well, what do you do if you do find out that sort of stuff? Like, how do you process it? And Mm. it makes me feel really bad. And I think, too, that there's been a lot of, like, the internet is great with cases like this because you find out a lot of information. And they did a lot of digging in this case. But they're also bad because they're, you know, I've seen on the Reddit forum, people talking about, you know, their family's names and so forth. Yeah. And that Bonnie woman who he was engaged to, oh, yeah. um, people have posted her name. And, oh, no. And, you know, I think they didn't ask for this. No, Especially no. Bonnie.
1: I mean, she she would have no idea. About mm. I mean, Actually, it's funny you should say that because I was thinking um, just, you know, while I was reading that, you know, what if you were Bonnie and you knew, like, you know, when you found out about this, you knew that you were inadvertently the cause or something. Yeah. That kind of guilt is not... No. uh, No, it's not necessary it's unfair. Mm. Um, She didn't really do anything wrong. No, no, no.
0: And, I mean, she obviously didn't marry this guy probably because he was a widow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and she certainly didn't ask to be um, made public or famous in this particular way. Um, So, yeah, no, it, it is very, very...
0: Yeah, mm. it's all sorts of weird and disturbing. I mean, I, I do find the 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 last um, the epilogue of this book amazing because she talks. So Michelle McNamara sadly passed away mm. a few years ago. Um, oh,
1: you talking about the letter.
0: And the, yeah, she, in oh, the epilogue that letter was amazing. Yeah, is a letter to the 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 killer, mm. not knowing who he was, and she talks about what will happen when he's caught, mm. and it did. That's it did. exactly yeah, what that's exactly
1: happened. exactly what happened. It's it's almost eerie. Yeah, and this was published, I think, a month, bef- month or two before. Yeah, because I read called. it
0: r- quite soon because I knew of it mm. um, from the internet and so forth, and I read it almost as soon as it came out. And so I had Steph's just. That's a major read it.
1: bookworm, just in case you haven't figured it yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I think they've figured this out.
0: Right? <laughs> um, and yeah, so I read it almost as soon as it came out. And so I had read it like a month before the news came out. Mm. I'm like, oh my God, that letter, because, the, you know, the last bit is, yeah. is amazing. She talks about just hearing that, like, the, the killer hearing a knock yes. on the front door. And that's exactly what happened. They and then him the having to or... walk out
1: into the light.
0: And that's you know. exactly yeah, what that's happened.
1: exactly what happened. You know, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's quite eerie in that way. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I did um, feel very sad and, and regretful about is that um, I kind of really would have loved to see what she would have done with the book had she you know uh, lived yeah. long enough to complete it. Because mm. I almost feel as if I've I've read, uh, I mean it's brilliant as it is, even though it's incomplete. But there were parts there that I think oh... I would love to have seen what she mm. would have done with this particular aspect of the story. Because, mm. you know, some of it is pieced together from uh, previous articles or chapters that she's written. And in notes, other places yeah. And notes and stuff yeah. like that. So uh, the chapters, I think, that were complete, you get a real sense of a truly amazing mm. writer developing a, a work that's just incredible. And then the other chapters, the ideas were fantastic, but it did feel a little bit... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, almost... Sort of patched together yeah. at some stages, yeah, so it was yeah. it wasn't as fluid, I guess, yeah. as um, some of the other chapters.
0: Um, I mean, it's such a it's so bittersweet and horrible that mm. she's she isn't alive to see the arrest. Um, and yeah, I like you. I'd love to see what she how she would have finished this, and also how she would have written about the arrest and you know other cases and and other projects that she would have done because she's clearly a very talented writer. Yes. yeah, you know. uh,
1: and it, it is a shame because. Um, I would have loved to seen the uh, the scope of what she mm. would have imagined for this particular story, mm. uh, and for me, not the the actual epilogue, but but the final chapter was the most disappointing part of the book because I wanted more. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't enough. It was just basically, and and they admitted it at the in the final chapter. They said, you know, basically these are all the notes she had mm. for um, this particular book, which. From what I can see, what we have at at this stage is only half of the book.
0: Yeah, it really is. So, yeah, yeah, so I
1: think the the other half would have been mm, mm. other details, other issues that she would have raised. And I think uh, she had a an amazing vision for this book, mm. uh, and just unfortunately was not uh, able to fulfill it. Um, it's yeah, a it's a real tragedy.
0: tragedy. Yeah, it really is. And um, like it, it's going to become a real landmark of true mm. crime because of its circumstances but i also think it deserves to be a real landmark in true crime because of the 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 way it's constructed yes. that that focus on the victim that blend of memoir the beautiful mm. s- on a sentence by sentence it's, level it's really really well done yes and it's a mm. very
1: very humanist take on, yeah. on on a story you know it's you, not
0: salacious no. it's not sensational it's not um it's
1: i mean it's uh, if someone had filmed me reading this book, they wouldn't have thought I was reading a book about a serial killer, to be honest, because yeah. there were parts where I was laughing out loud. There were parts yeah. where, you know, I was almost moved to tears yeah. by the book. Uh, it was just like uh, an amazing story that I was reading.
0: It's not schlocky at no. all. It's not, it's not um, you know, gratuitous. No. It's just well done. And you yeah.
1: get a true sense of individuals in mm. this book. Uh, mm. That I think is a is a major accomplishment, you know she makes herself as an individual, but all the victims are individuals in themselves, and even you know as horrifying as it as it may seem, the killer himself was an mm. individual and you know, he wasn 't just a nameless person, he had his own psychology, he had his own mm. motivation uh, and that is the, the, the true accomplishment. And uh, I do have to talk about that uh, one section that just made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that was, a, um, she said she was doing research and fell asleep in bed and woke up to, you know, her husband, Patton Oswald uh, sort of creeping to bed to not wake her up. She took the, the lamp and swung yeah. it at his head and yeah. unfortunately missed him. And I thought, oh dear, that that could be me one of these <laughs> days <laughs> with my obsession if I'm not careful, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because that actually does happen to me, not that I throw things or attack people in my half- um, Uh, A sleep state. But I used to be really obsessed with this particular website. Uh, Fortunately, it's gone now, so I can't be obsessed with it. It was a really great website. I think it was called crimelibrary.com. And it used to chronicle all these serial killers. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I used to just read a particular case. Mm. And something dark would always happen to me when I read one of these stories, to the point where I I have to ban myself from going to, to the website. So I think the last thing that happened to me that was pretty eerie and creepy was I was reading this story about, oddly enough, the not the original Night Stalker, but the other Night Stalker, so uh, Ramirez, um, the one we call the Night Stalker. So he also broke into houses and attacked people. I was reading this story, uh, and it was midnight, and suddenly my doorbell rang.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, and the light came on, and I thought...
0: Who's here at midnight? Who's who's here
1: at midnight? And I went to the door, and there was nobody there. (laughs) And I thought, oh my okay, God. that is the end of Jimmy. Crime Library. I am not reading Crime Library ever again. I'm surprised That's a you sign. ever
0: read True Crime again. I know.
1: And so that, that was too close for my liking. It took me a while to get back into, into Crime. Oh, my again.
0: God. Now I'm scared.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I, I actually thought about that uh, particular event in my life when... Oh, my I God. This... But nothing
0: happened like No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
1: I mean, I'm sure there was a logical explanation behind it, maybe like a cat brushed against or the... Or the wind or something. Or the wind. Yeah. Well, I think it's a cat. I'm I'm trying mm-hmm. to tell myself, convince myself as a cat, um, because we do have a lot of cats just brushing up against the, the door every now and then. So they may have just hit the doorbell. Oh, my God. Still, that's terrifying. Yeah. So I did think of that particular episode when when she talked about it. And I thought, you know, that's the real beauty of this particular book. It makes everything relatable. You know? Yeah. And so when you're reading it, you get a sense that, you know, this could happen to anyone. It could, yeah. you know, it could be... Yeah. Uh, and you get a sense of real people in this particular story. Yeah. And that's the true magic of this book.
0: I agree. I absolutely agree. Now, we that was a lovely place to end and we have to go. Um, so thank you, Jimmy. My for... oh,
1: pleasure. Thanks for the bullying.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being a receptive um, victim of my bullying. <laughs> um, all right. So this has been another episode of From the Lighthouse. If you could please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be incredibly useful. And Jimmy, we'll have to get you back to talk about more serial killers very soon. Absolutely. All right. See you guys. Bye.